life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. Visited our friends in Seattle over the weekend. Oh, yeah, you Slept did. there for Easter weekend. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, visited Dale and Reese and the you shop sh- and Grio's Garage, actually. You I mean, still haven't downloaded all of the info about all this because you, you saw everybody while you're up there in a oh, very yeah. short amount of time. Yeah. yeah, it was nice. Visited family, so my family's yeah. up there. And, uh, yeah, just got to uh, see the shop. If you have not seen the shop in Seattle, it's magnificent. Go up there and check it out. That's the... The photos that I keep posting from there, and, and uh, thanks to Reese, he is our ambassador for the shop there. And yeah, it's very cool. Takes Thank us behind man. the scenes, and yeah, you know, sure. all we do is talk about cars, which is great. You'd think it'd be, I guess, antithetical, but it, it's just so it, refreshing. It's my happy place. It never stops, though. It really doesn't. It's amazing. And then I stopped by our friends at Grio's Garage, mm-hmm. who have been one of our television sponsors. Yeah. Unfortunately, our television season two has ended. Yes, true. But we are in the middle of shooting season three. We are underway. We've got one in the can. Mm-hmm. And, We've uh, got one and a half in the can, which half, sounds odd. Yeah. But we had a yeah, car yeah. that we were going to have to get some additional shooting with later on. So that's kind of why we're calling it one and a half. I'm already editing for season three. Crazy. And, and I'm already feeling like I'm behind. That, uh, and and just so crazy. you know, what we're doing is we're skipping a quarter. So we had first quarter was season two. We're skipping uh, quarter two. Uh, quarter three, starting in July, for those of you paying attention, will be season three. Right. Our hope, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Our hope is to skip quarter four and be back quarter one of 2019 with season Stay it with me. Four. <laughs> we're already talking almost a year from now. Oh, nine yeah. months of from now. Of course we are. Why not? But in the midst of all that, we are going to announce this year's pilgrimage trip. So that is on the next podcast. We'll yeah. announce details about that. So yeah, that is uh, Registration will be open later this week. Uh, we're, we're working the last minute pieces so we can open that up, which we're excited about because that will be in August. So that's coming up quick as well. Why don't we stack as many things as we can in the middle of this year? I'll leave. It'd be great. We've got cars to drive. There's shooting to do. Yeah. We've, we've got lots of stuff going on. And uh, I am so excited for this year. So much stuff, but we've got a couple of great car debates, as we always say. We've got Gabe out in Oakland. He's writing in as a longtime listener to the show, first time writing in. Gabe, how are you? Thanks for writing in. Yeah, for sure. This is headline stuff because he's looking for two cars Mm -hmm. within a single budget, Yep. daily and track. He's got a lot of track time and... um, he is going to be selling his Ford Focus RS. See, that's the interesting part about this. He has a 2016 Ford Focus RS, and there's an entire paragraph about how much he loves this car and how it's been his ultimate car. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he had an E30 M3. He had an Evo XMR, which is a car that I'm very much in love with. The Focus has eclipsed all of them. Yeah, no the kidding. Ford, Ford Focus RS has been his amazing daily and a phenomenal track car. But he's come to that discussion we've had before. And when somebody listening to our podcast coined the term, don't drive your paycheck, he's worried about the fact that that. as he tracks this more and more, what if he breaks it on a track day and has to get to work on Monday? So he's thinking, all right, all right, let's take, he told me 50 grand and then he turned around and told Paul 60. So let's take 60 grand. Yeah, he just, he said, you know, okay, it's Paul, let's give him 60 grand. Let's take 60 grand and buy two cars, which is the new daily, which he still wants to enjoy. That's the key thing here. Has to be an automatic for his wife. And then the new manual transmission track car, one bit of money, two cars, and he even has recommendations. And I have many others. I do, too. Well, he calls it the Paul coefficient, and I can read between the lines. I'm a drag on your budget, right? Yep, pretty much. Yeah. 
All right, so his father currently races a 1968 Alfa Romeo GTA. Which is cool. I'll let that picture enter your mind. Yeah, yeah. And also a 1971 Formula Ford. Mm -hmm. Formerly owned a long-nosed 1966 Ferrari 275 GTB. Wow. Guy, this is awesome. So he considers himself to have a, a very good automotive knowledge. Hey, we don't claim to know it all. We're learning Not stuff at all. constantly. Absolutely. A lot of times in the, those are that cheap now? That, oh, no. that, is, a, that is a constant lesson for sure, yes. <laughs> so, yes, the 2016 Ford Focus RS is for sale. If you'd like to buy it and you're interested <laughs> in a Fo Focus RS, I'm sure Gabe would be happy to entertain a nice offer to you any would like podcast listener. Gabe's RS in Oakland. Uh, yeah, we can connect the dots there. That is pretty funny. All right, so regarding the track car, I do have some daily... Well, I've got one daily suggestion here. Interesting. That I think could really work. Okay. And under the track car suggestions here, he says, while I like Miatas, I've already decided against going after that route. So spec Miatas are out. It's not always the answer in this case. Gabe, Apparently for, for, not. For whatever reason, and he hasn't given us the reasons, but he's just said, I know, I get it, but they're off the table. He also says this budget should account for all the consumables. Well, most of them. Coilovers, mm -hmm. lightweight wheels and track tires, trackable brake pads, mm -hmm. fuel, track, you know, just the track time itself, yeah, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So we can slice and dice however we want. For he, sure. He gives us that, sure. uh, you know, carte blanche, carte blanche mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And uh, he's got this Honda S2000 on the top of his list for the track car. As you said, the GTI with the DSG for his daily that his mm -hmm. wife can drive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like that, I have actually have more track car choices than I do the daily. Interesting. Because okay. I do like the GTI. I mean, that is just such a solid, solid go-to sure. car. For sure. Yeah. So I like that. I'm echoing that. But it's, you know, you think, okay, where do you start if we're not going spec Miata racing? What do you do? Well, I am going to start out with it, the Toyota 86 platform, specifically because there might be a built one already for sale by somebody mm. getting out of that and either just getting out completely or graduating to a you know, more powerful or you know higher sure. speed car, sure, yeah, yeah. something you know a different class. Who knows? I'll bet you there's already built cars for sale that could be within mm. the budget. And I'll tell you my slice and dice the way I'm I'm divvying things up the dollars okay, please, here. Please. So uh, what I'm thinking is uh, that could be a place to start. Okay, mm -hmm. I have that on my list. I, I mean, I, my, my thinking for the 86 chassis was if you go buy one and then put your own supercharger on it. I mean, yeah. I like your built idea. I like that's that's better just across go find the board. A just go somebody that's already right done in. it. But if you bought one, done the used, work. They've done the shakedown. Yeah, you buy one used with higher mileage. It'll probably cost you twelve. Put a supercharger mm -hmm. and all that on it. You're still under twenty. Mm -hmm. And you have a, a great track car that's easy on consumables and genuinely quick. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you know, 350Zs are plentiful. True, true, we true. We see those a lot. Those are a, a great mm -hmm. entry-level way mm -hmm. to get in. And again, a lot of those could be built already for you. Parts already added. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, when you go add all your parts and you just start with a stock car, you're never going to get your money back out of that kind of thing. Oh, so true. No, absolutely. What about going to somebody who already did the work and yeah. paid the money? And yeah. Let them lose money on it. You can buy a track <laughs> exactly. car. Done, yeah. So I kept going. I've got three more here. Okay. C6 Corvette Z06. Now you can see the budget and prices That's going climbing up. climbing out. Yep, yep, yep. But this could be interesting. For sure. If For it's sure. not already prepped, just that car alone mm -hmm. as a starting point mm -hmm. could be excellent. I thought C5, but... In this budget, you know, slicing things up this way could be worth it. It could okay. be really good. Okay. So C6 generation Corvette Z06. 
Keep going up to the Spec Boxster series. Mm, okay. I mean, it's All me. Right. I've got to throw a Porsche in here somewhere. Uh, here's me not surprised, but yes. Caymans are really expensive, hence my Boxster series okay. suggestion. Okay. Okay. I like that, but I kept going all the way to a factory five eight one eight. Did you really? Okay. Because actually, even though it seems like the holy grail, it's not necessarily that in terms of price. Mm-hmm. Again, get mm-hmm. one built or build it how you like. True, true, true. And you're still doing really well in terms of budget. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, so consider all those, Gabe. Uh, I'm, I'm. I think any one of those could be really excellent for your needs and for yeah. what you're looking yeah. for. And I love your GTI idea, as I said before, but what about the BMW 228i mm. as a daily? Mm-hmm. And I looked it up, and you can get a 2016 228i with the 8-speed auto, mm-hmm. which is very impressive, very, very comfortable. Impressive. Yeah. There is a track handling package available for this car, so you'd have mm-hmm. to search wisely. But then I thought, well, you don't need it because you're going to get a track or yeah, a specific it's, it's the track daily. car. Yeah, it's the daily, sure. So yeah, you yeah. might not even need that track handling mm-hmm. package. Mm-hmm. Many of these 2016 cars have under 20,000 miles for $24,000. Wow. Which leaves wow. you 30 for your track car and about five for the consumables. Nice. Nice. Well so done. So I'm budgeting well 30. You're doing well. Every bit of that. Okay. And I bet right. you could get a Z06 for 30 huh. and start okay. to throw some stuff at it. Or, yeah, even the 818. I, mm-hmm. I like that idea. The new 818 is pretty cool. They've updated the styling and yeah. a lot of things about it. But even if you get a prior generation built, you know, for 10, 12, 15 grand. It comes with spares. You and I have kind of a, an unhealthy obsession with that car, I Man. think. And then we saw one recently, and I think it's made it worse for sure. Yeah. As mu- I mean, as <laughs> no, much as kidding. I love having a Lotus Elise, and I do, there's a part of me that just goes, that 818's really cool. And it's just the beater. I mean, the Lotus is great for that, but it will eventually yeah. cost, you know, your owner, your prior owner has thrown a lot at this true. car to true, make true. it, yeah. you know, the shifter, the yeah. exhaust, all that kind yeah. of stuff to, to make it worthy, upgrade, and all the, that And the stuff. 818, I mean, honestly, the 818, I think you're mostly building to just track it. I think that's where it oh, really yeah. shines. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not building it to be, I mean, because honestly, I think a really well-built 818 as a road car is probably still not the road car the Elise is. And the Elise no. is not a luxurious experience. <laughs> so, you know, set, bring, the bar, bring the bar lower. Yeah, exactly. It just occurs to me there's no tow vehicle anywhere on here, so you must have something, Gabe, maybe? A well, he's trailer, gonna, truck? But, but, I, but that suggests that this track car is probably going to at least be road legal. You know, he's not going to strip sure. it out completely. Sure, I, uh, I like – look, I like where, where you start, Gabe. I, the S2000, of course, we really are a fan – the Golf GTI, of course, DSG. I, I like it. I do like it. But my question is this. What level are you tracking? Because depending upon the track you're going to, where do you run into a problem with the S2000 for a track car with it being a convertible? And does your track have regulations? Sure. Are we talking about putting a half cage in it? All of these things start to be an issue. Now, it depends on your level and it depends on your track. But mm-hmm. th- but yeah. But what that said to me was two things. I wanted to recommend cars to you that were not convertibles, just to avoid that completely. Sure. And I split it roughly twenty grand for track car, forty for the other. Okay. All right. Fair There's enough. a little bit of a blur in between the seam there, but but that's kind of where I started, started to lean. I already mentioned the '86 with a supercharger. I tried to mm-hmm. give you pairs, pairs to consider: '86 with a supercharger, paired with an E90 four-door M3. Oh wait! You're saying twenty grand for an E90? No, no, no! I'm saying that's this is the pairing for sixty grand. 
Oh, however, that's divvied up. Yeah, roughly okay. roughly 18 to 20 for the FRS with the supercharger and roughly 40 to get yourself an E90 M3 four-door. Oh, I misunderstood. You're talking 20 I'm grand talk- for track. Yes, then I'm talking pairs 40 of cars. 40-ish for, for the, the road car. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. So, of course, obviously that E90 is going to enjoy gasoline, but it's a fantastic commute car, it family car, and it's ju- but you get it on a back road or whatever, you're going to love it too. Oh, yeah. So that's one pair. Okay. I like that pair as a start. I'll, I'll follow your Corvette idea, but I went C5 Z06. Did you? Because $20,000, you can get one of those. You can, yeah. Yeah, and then I paired that with a Cayenne. Interesting. Thought your wife's going to drive it. You want something kind of fun. It's a very different experience than you've had. Why not get a Cayenne? Forty grand, one of those? Why not? You can get a good one for forty grand. Yeah, for sure. So I had a, a C5 Z06 and a Cayenne. Okay. And then my last one, I, I see your BMW. I went... How high can you go for the two series BMW for the daily? Could you go M235i probably for forty? You might even be able to find an M240 for forty, depending maybe, depending maybe. on your shopping. Yeah. So for the twenty grand in this scenario, you know what you can get for twenty to twenty five. Multiple of them are out there. Nismo, the Nismo 370Z. Hmm. Okay. And that is a track car all day long. Very much so. Not With just the, the 370. The actually Nismo. Well, they all had the rev match, yeah. but that Nismo, yeah, yeah. I mean, the last one we drove at a, at a press launch was 50 grand new. And I remember uh, yeah. staring at that Monroney and going, no. But on the track, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was one of those cars that was just like, whatever this costs, I'd like to have it now, please. And I looked at the number and went, no, you know what? No. Not that but badly. For, but for 20 to 25 grand... I feel like that's kind of in that realm of that C5 Z06 where you're kind of surprised at the level of track car you got. Now, those are known to chew brakes, but the Nismo sure, 370Z. Sure, you got the leftover money a little bit. I, I think that. Leftovermoney.com. Exactly. Not, not an actual <laughs> website, not a real problem. Uh, but the Nismo 370Z, I think you can find those out there, and you can pair that with the M240i. So there's three different pairs for you, Gabe, as an alternative to where you started. Even I mean, where you started is good. But I wanted to give you options. Hopefully something there helps. Yeah, interesting. I keep thinking and seeing the 370Z. I think, man, Nissan has let that go too mm-hmm. long. I, you know, who knows what they're going to do with it. You know, maybe it's just going to die off because we've got, you know, other things coming. Well, I, I don't know, but they've just left it go so long it's gotten painful now. Think about the fact that this year, think about the fact that this year, is the 10th anniversary of the release of the current GTR. It was an 09 model. You're right. Holy moly. They were coming out in late 08. As 09. A decade with that car. I know they've refined it. I know they've tweaked it. But yeah, that that car is a halo car. That's fine. Yes and no. I mean, it's just, I feel like (sighs) Nissan waves the flag for those two cars. We're still an enthusiast brand while they ignore them and make other things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's they, they're going after bread and butter and they have to. technology. They're they a all huge do. company, by the way. They're massive, but they're resources. just they're not worried about that anymore. Clearly. I mean that's why I wonder about why haven't you thrown some more bodies at you know mm-hmm. upgrading, updating all that kind of stuff over where's here? Where's the Where's the four hundred Z? I mean I know there's rumors, but where is the four hundred Z? I agree. It? I'm ready and waiting. 
All right. Well, uh, Gabe, thank you so much. I think we should keep going into our debate before we break, as a matter of fact, uh, our next debate. Oh, and sure. Then, uh, and then do the, the questions and then after have the break. Questions I love that. At the end. There's so many. They're, they're excellent. Uh, this next debate is from Chris, mm-hmm. who writes in with a different kind of issue, mm-hmm. and it's about keeping your old car going. And he's got yeah. some specific reason, actually one in particular, but it's essentially your old daily going. Mm-hmm. You know, should I keep putting the money towards it? And Chris, I think essentially what you're asking is, should I, you know, and could I continually drive a car forever? Ever. Theoretically, could I drive my current car forever? If you're not bored and you want to keep putting money into it, theoretically, yes. <laughs> but he has the story here. Mm-hmm. He's got three cars. Between his wife and himself, he's got a 2011 Super Impreza five-door hatchback. Yeah, cool. The O2 Audi A4 3.0 Quattro, which is the one in question here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also a 77 Porsche 911. I'd love to keep talking about that. Clearly, that's, that's not going anywhere. That, that car stays. Living. Yeah. All three of those cars are manual transmissions. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the Audi is in question. I had the 04 Audi A4 3.0 Ultrasport. I know you did. It was not manual, but it was still a rare car yeah. because most Ultrasports had the 1.8. Mm-hmm. This had the 3.0. Yeah, it's a cool engine. I mean, that, that generation is a very cool car. Nose heavy, a little bit. Engines all the way forward. Yeah. As far forward as they could put it's an, it. It's an Audi. It has, it, it has the exact reverse problem of the Porsche 911. They've, they've since rectified a few things and tweaked the... Uh, the Quattro layout, but I believe that's a 50-50 Quattro power split front and rear. Don't know. Believe that's what it was until they started going 60-40, you know, divvying the power up. Anyway, so this is the daily. It's currently about 200,000 miles on the car, and he's done all the maintenance yeah, himself. Wow. Timing belt twice, the suspension, seals, hoses, many sensors, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and he says it looks and drives great, but he's wondering about the wisdom of continuing to rely on this car as the daily driver. Yeah, yeah. Now, the answer is, of course, get a different car, right? Theoretically, It's the yeah. easy answer. Well, it's, it's, it's the answer for clearly this car has had a full life, 200,000 miles. I've done all this stuff to it. Logic would suggest that a newer car is going to be something you can rely on better. Mm-hmm. There is the argument. Look, I will say it. There is the argument. You love the car. You know how to work on it. You know the entire history of the car. That's true. If you have tolerance. Look, you have three cars for you and your wife. If you have tolerance and for the days that the Audi does break and needs something this next weekend, you can drive the the one of the other two. Mm-hmm. There is the possibility of, yes, you could keep throwing money at it and just keep this car alive. The unspoken thing here is how often does it need something? That's what you haven't said. Right. And right. if it's if it's a monthly event, I just think that's a hassle for your life, you know? That that's the thing. Where is the hassle factor too much? That's why I'm going to recommend replacing something uh getting getting rid of the Audi replacing something else, but there is the argument. I get it. I love this car. Keep throwing stuff at it. I can work on it. It'll run. I, I see it. I mean, as a counterpoint though, he said the clutch has never been replaced at almost 200,000 miles. Yeah, that shocks me. That's it not shocks me. I mean, clearly it's been just cruising along. Yeah, we're not and well driven, racing, well driven, yeah, yeah, anything to this car. So obviously that's the next bit of maintenance that's coming due. So once you do it, I mean, theoretically you've got at least another hundred out of the clutch. You could keep going with the car. Unbelievable. I, but this is the dilemma, and here's the whole deal. He doesn't have a car payment right now. Yeah, and that's a big thing. That is very big. And he likes the Quattro. He likes the all-wheel driveness mm-hmm. of it. So he can go skiing on heavy powder days, he says. And, 
you know, he's looking at Audis or WRXs, but if he looks at the Subaru WRX, he thinks, am I too old for the perception of that car? Whereas Audi <laughs> is the gentleman's car and, yeah, okay. you know, or it's just the more yeah. sophisticated choice yeah. here. I, I understand. So, again, as you said, he knows the documented maintenance on it, but he's been sniffing around other S4s, B5 and B6 S4, because, mm-hmm. you know, extra power and 4-liter yeah. V8 yeah. and all that stuff. But the reliability and the long term of everything, it's been well cared for. So, therefore, why not just keep going? Mm-hmm. You've done all the maintenance, not like you bought it at 150000 it's, it's a question. Done everything. It's an option. I don't know that I agree with it, but I do see the logic. I do. Here's the twist. He doesn't like digital displays mm-hmm. or touchscreens. And he says, I know my preferences put me in the minority of car shoppers, so he's probably out of luck as the auto industry leaves him behind. Yeah. So could you keep driving it? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. And if you really love the car, yes. But I see the love in terms of, you know, something that is truly special as a driver's car. Not that it's not, but having owned one, I can say there's better driving cars out there. Certainly. It's great. And I liked it too, but I did move on. Mm Mm-hmm. And a friend bought it from me at uh, seventy or eighty thousand miles, I think, and then put another fifty or sixty on it. And Is he still running that car? To I your think knowledge? he sold it actually. Interesting. Okay. He had texted me back saying, "Hey, I think I'm going to get rid of it. Do you want dibs?" Hmm. I thought, you know what? I've left it behind in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, sure, I, sure. I mean, it's interesting thought, and I know people buy back their old car because they yes. missed it. Yes. I knew a guy that bought back his old Scirocco with 90 horsepower because he missed it so much. Funny. I thought, I'm not going to go there. I've, you know, I've mentally just yeah. gotten past it. Yeah. So, you know, I see a lot of these on, on Bring a Trailer. I see the, the rebuilt Audis. I see the rebuilt mm. whatever, and they're almost as nice or better than when they are new. I mean, they've rebuilt the engine and poured money into this car. Yeah. And it's almost like, well, why don't you keep it? Because you did all this work, and now you're just putting it up for sale without enjoying the fruits of your labor. Well, and you're not getting your money out of it, too. Once you do that kind of thing, you're just, I mean, it almost makes sense if you put that kind of money in it. It's because you're going to keep it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be, I'm going to put this money and get my money. No, you're not. Here's the big problem. The touchscreens and displays, that is ubiquitous in just about every new car. They're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Totally. Everything about them, as far as the UX, is getting better. (laughs) You know what he needs? A Model 3. No, wait. No, that's wrong. (laughs) Well, I mean, we don't have the problem like an 05 Acura or an 02 BMW has. It's just sort of like, it's not the greatest info system. You know, it's not the greatest nav system. Your phone's better, and then you have two screens. And that's my question for you. Uh, Chris, are you using your phone? Is it suction cup to your mm, windshield, or question. are you using the question. screen yeah. like for maps or music or whatever? That's a good thought. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt and saying mm, you don't, mm. but there is still that. Are you just using a different screen, and you're just talking about the built-in ones you don't like? Interesting question. I like that. Yeah. So therefore, you'd have to get every MX-5 Miata. Think about it. All four generations of the Miata <laughs> don't have that. Well. The the new one has the stick on screen. It does kind of have the stick on screen, but it's not as I don't know. It's 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 not the focus of the cabin, though. I take your yeah. Point. It's it's not the whole focal point. I, it's going to be hard to get away. Any new car that we suggest, with the exception of an E ninety generation series, so I, I'll say the uh, the three series from that generation could be mm-hmm. had without that center hump. And the center hump was awful. You could get it without the nav screen. It looks so much better. You're right. Get, uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be an M3. That's not what I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. saying that the all-wheel drive. Just that generation in general. Yeah. You know, that 
particular yeah. generation shop for the ones that don't have the center display. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was ugly on the instrument panel, to be honest. It was, for sure, absolutely. And go for that. They come in the, you know, the all-wheel drive and mm. go for that. But then have you just put off the problem? Are we just going through life? <laughs> you know, well, I got a 10-year newer BMW that's still about 8 or 10 years old now. Yeah, yeah. And then what do we do in 10 years? You know, this Good question. The, Good the bar question. keeps moving, only it's just getting dragged along. That's, I, I suppose, my best suggestion. If you do get the Audi, get rid of the Audi, get, go for that BMW. It's something different, great commuter car, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it deliberately didn't come with that center hump. Here's a crazy thought that I'm just having right now. You and I have talked a lot. I mean, I've done it with almost all the cars I've owned because typically I, I buy older cars. But could you buy a car with a touchscreen and put an aftermarket stereo in it that doesn't have one? Ah, are there aftermarket? Well, of course well, there are because any any the car, single din the single din size. or the single din or double din, it doesn't matter. There's the, the either size. If if is there your, a double din made that doesn't have a giant screen on it? I would imagine there is. There is. I don't know that for sure. Or here, or you can do the thing that sometimes <laughs> is tacky. You can do the single din that now has a new pocket underneath it. They make all these finishing kits. You could theoretically that's true. Get an aftermarket stereo T on it. <laughs> you get an aftermarket stereo that does your streaming and your Bluetooth, but isn't touchscreen. You could buy a car. I, I, hmm. I, look, I'm, I, this struck me as we're talking, so hmm. maybe it's yeah, a terrible just a idea. Big storage but, plastic storage pocket. What? Yeah, I mean, you can get them like that. You can get you yeah, know, you, you fill the double din. That I, I did this on the 300ZX. You could actually have the the upper level is the stereo, and the bottom level you now have a you now have a pocket. Right. So I mean, exists those 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 parts are out there. <laughs> so you could theoretically get a car, and if the touchscreen because it's old Atari looking, probably if it bugs you that much, you could do a different stereo, and a new pocket, and now your what did have a touchscreen is now gone. Just cover up whatever the new screen is and the new car that you get. Just have a big photo of your wife. Everything's solved. You get to look at her. There you go. You don't have to look at the screen. That's funny. That's what, very funny. What could be better? Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like these 90s cars that are without the screens that have been rebuilt by either garage mechanics or pro mechanics and yeah. they're just ready to rock. But that kind of describes you already. You've already yeah. got that car. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I tried. I tried to go newer. I have. I have a couple of thoughts here. Okay. That I think solve this because we're talking all wheel drive. Yeah. Yep. I, I. I mean, I have to be honest. I think I actually have a sniper shot on this. I think I have yeah. a car because he's shopping. He's thinking maybe I go slightly newer Audi. Right, which again, you're just kind of uh, okay. Are, are you, yeah, prolonging are, are the you problem. helping yourself? I don't know. So anyway, so there's that. Uh, so slightly newer Audi. You're saying he, rip the band aid and just he, buy a he, Tesla Model Three. I'm, I'm really not. He's saying he's saying all wheel drive, but he clearly likes the Audi driving feel. Would like a manual transmission, which is also harder as you start to get newer and newer in Audis. Yeah. You start to have more and more trouble finding that. And then it dawned on me. I, he hasn't listed a budget here. I'm guessing we're under thirty based on the things he's shopping. And maybe yeah. hopefully closer to twenty. The current car isn't worth very much. That's the problem. Yeah, and is he? And but if he's buying those slightly older, uh, you know, the B five, B six, S fours, those are what twenty grand. I mean, we're not dealing with a ton of money here either. Right, right. And then I had this thought: okay, all wheel drive, fun to drive, manual transmission, okay, newer car, first gen Golf R. Mm, Comes in a six speed manual. Does not come in DSG. It was the next gen that did. 
So you're talking the 2013, 2012, 2013 Golf R. Uh, six Golf R? The, yeah, the, the prior gen to the current. Right. Go out and get yourself one of those. Interesting. All day long, six-speed manual. I mean, you might be able to find one in your budget that it's a current one in the manual. I mean, they, those, they exist in either. But the I screen just, is minimal. Mm-hmm. It's the, the selection are very minimal. The screen minimal. Is, is slightly bigger because, because of the, it's the standard, uh, what is it, the MQB chassis that they put in everything. And right, so it has that. Right. It's like a four-inch square screen. Yes, it's got nav. Yes, it's, it's got touchscreen capabilities. But you don't actually have to interact with the car that way at all. It's true. And it's a it's good true. all-wheel drive, four-door. It's got all the things I think he likes about the Audi, plus it brings in the manual, and it's a newer car. I kind of think that's the answer. Go I mean, far, I, huh? I even, I even looked around. the. You know, we, we go to it now and then, the GLA AMG 45, because that's the WRX for the guy that outgrew the WRX. Yeah, but it's that's an got auto, a screen problem. But it's an auto, and it's got a screen problem. The, the way that it's integrated into the, into the Gulfs, it's not sticking up, and it's right there. I think... I think that kind of bridges the gap. That's so I'm going to stay there. I'm going to stay there. That's pretty good. I mean, I'm thinking sports cars, but it doesn't strike me that you want something just two-door. Like I said, you know, an NC Miata, the mm, BMW sure. 3 Series, the E93 Series sure. without the nav. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like I like the E90 Series without the nav. That's good. You get the all-wheel drive. I see where you went. I, I see mean, it. But again, I think it might be too old for... Whereas the Golf R is a lot newer, actually. Yeah, yeah you're, more than, you're jumping up more than a decade in cars. Mm-hmm. But I think you'd really enjoy it. Based on the stuff you've driven already and you like about your current stuff, I think that gets it done. It does, definitely. I like it a lot. I, I'm just wondering about the future from here because I think cars like that will be non-existent, honestly. I mean, could the Golf R from the Mark VI Golf R be the last car? Who knows? I, I, There's I, something out there though, that we're missing. You, I feel buy, like I'm, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to say you take out face. your nav screen and you put in your your no nav uh, stereo and uh, of create yourself car. a new pocket. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's the old school retrofit. There it is. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much, both of you, for writing into us. If you've got your own debate, write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or you can find us on the website everydaydriver.com and find us there. Send us a note. And uh, like I said, write to us with your own debate. You know, just imagine the two-scroll rule. So, yeah, think, imagine things like paragraphs and budgets, us. too. That would be helpful, yeah. Yeah, budgets are always helpful. Anyway, uh, we'll uh, take a quick break and be right back. We talk about car cleaning sometimes on this show. We talk about certified Paul-owned. This is something I'm not good at. I can't ever get a car as clean as Paul can. And one of the places I struggle is the wheels. I never feel like I've got the right brush. I can't get it to work. Brush Hero is our new sponsor of the podcast. We're glad to have them. They have this really cool, impressive cleaning machine. It is water-powered. There's no electricity. There's no batteries. It just works off the power of the water coming through your hose. Now, the starter set comes with two brush heads. One is a soft one for sensitive surfaces, paint, and chrome. But there's this other one, which is a tough one for serious muck like your wheels. It was originally designed for fast, easy, expert-level car and motorcycle detailing, but it's not just cars. If you've got a boat, barbecue, yard tools, patio furniture, the list goes on. Brush Hero, again, no batteries, no electricity. It makes life easier. No backache, no more scraped-up knuckles. I don't have to figure out the towel that works for wheels or do I need, I don't know, a scouring pad. Forget it. It's just about Brush Hero. Fight the war on muck with this ultimate cleaning and detailing tool called Brush Hero. It's a great gift for Father's Day. There's gift sets for every budget, and you can check out their extensive line of accessories, including extension wands to add more reach. 
It's a must-have for every car lover, motorcyclist, or all-around clean freak. You can find Brush Hero at BrushHero.com, Amazon, or select Costco stores. Hello, guys. It's MMA fighter Chael Sonnen. Check out my podcast, You're Welcome, with Chael Sonnen every Wednesday and Friday right here at Podcast One. We cover the latest in mixed martial arts and everything else going on in the world of sport. Listen free to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen, exclusively available on Apple Podcasts, at PodcastOne.com, and on the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review Everybody's got a to-do list. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% on your car insurance, or maybe even more. Got extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding thing you do today. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Hey guys, we're back with all questions for the second half of this podcast because we, yeah. we got the debates done already. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to start out here, okay, with Mystic Negro on Instagram asking Uh-oh. about the best road trip food. There's, this is going to be a little bit of food centric for the next two questions here. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm shooting for healthy food. I'm not a wow. fast food, okay. you know, drive through. Yeah. Not into that so much, but it's hard to stock up at gas stations with anything remotely healthy. So True. you have to go to the grocery store before you leave on the road trip, <laughs> and then depending on how long your trip is, buy enough to meter everything out properly. I'm the child buying M&Ms at every gas station, so we, we, we balance each other out. Oh, look, more M&Ms. I mean, I like the bite-sized part of it because, you know, anything bite-sized, of course, is the, the way to go. So here's my list. <laughs> the Frosted Wheat Square Cereal. I'm a cereal guy, by the way. Pretzel chips, grapes, cherries, almonds, and cinnamon graham crackers. So I like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, I, and I'm and i the crying kid in the back who wants more chocolate. So it, so we do. We balance uh, the world for sure. I know. But hey, no dried fruit, though, because that will wreak havoc on your intestines when you're driving. You, you do yeah. not want dried fruit. It's all bad. Yeah. Avoid all that. There's another question from our friend Shane M. He says, uh, given the disease, do you ever find yourself using cars to make non-car comparisons? I found myself saying to a, a friend of mine, Old Granddad 114 is the Fiesta ST of bourbons. Cheap, perfect for all occasions, and can really get you in trouble if you try hard enough. Yes, I do, and I've got two for you, Shane. The Olive Garden restaurant is the Toyota Camry of Italian cuisine. Nice. I like it. Reasonably delicious. Works for most people, but there's a lot more to the world of food than that. (laughs) All right. I'm with you so far. Good. My other is the Trader Joe's Two Buck Chuck, you know, mostly known as Charles Shaw Wine. Mm Mm-hmm. Which sometimes you get in a bottle, you go, this is $2? How, yeah. how could this? And the others, I wouldn't wash the wine glasses out with his stuff. Yeah. So it's a hit and miss, but this is the Mitsubishi Lancer of wine. <laughs> it uses pretty much all the wine grape varietals stuffed into one bottle, and like the Lancer, it will get you to your destination, but it's not the most enjoyable ride ever. Interesting. Okay. There's more well. intricacy and delight to the world of wine than that. 
I feel like there could be like 15 minutes of a podcast. You're just I doing could. Those, those are just analogies. the two. Those so are just the first two that struck you. We wow. have to get the food out of the way. But yeah, right. I, I okay. do. As you can see, I, I describe restaurants and food and I go right back to cars because people relate. You know, there's that restaurant here locally. And there, and it's a total, you know, car themed bar and grill. Oh and they yeah, have total bar and grill food, and their veggie burger is called the Prius burger. It is, yeah. They've got GT five hundred fried chicken yep. and you know some other yep. cool stuff. Yeah, the Prius burger. Anyway, so, true. So jumping off of the food discussion, I wanted to talk about this one because I think it relates. Jibs Tanstas, I didn't, didn't do that right. Fifteen on Instagram, I butchered that. Is being certified Paul owned. <laughs> A precious thing and does driving it is that antithetical to the concept of being certified Paul owned how do both exist at the same time that's a fantastic question I have an answer I know you do but I, I am gonna say here's one interesting thing in the time I've known Paul is I have watched him back from when you owned that Audi I mean if somebody okay. breathed on that Audi you were angry for a week well, sometimes, sometimes it was more than a breath, and it was deservedly so. But, but somewhere along the way, and I think it was somewhere along the way of owning the Cayman, interestingly enough, your first Cayman, you realized you're going to work really hard, and you still do, to keep all of your cars gorgeous. But they're meant to be driven. And you started to realize, I'm going to go out, and oops, that got a little bit of road dust on it. Oops, that got a minor chip in it. Yeah. And, and it bums yeah. you out. It still bums you out. Sure. But you started to realize, and, I, and I've watched the growth over the course of this show. <laughs> my growth, huh? Seriously, I've watched it happen <laughs> because because you, I also think there's a, there's a level here, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a level here where we've borrowed so many other, other people's precious cars yeah. and gone out and driven them well that I think it's shown you a layer of, this is a nice car, and this guy's just like, yeah, go drive it hard. And so yeah. you... you you are you are far from lax, but at the same time, I do think your ability to deal with it is much better than it used to be because you started to realize I'm going to keep this car. And I'm speaking for you, and I want you to give your thoughts. Okay, but, all right. But you started to realize I'm going to keep this car as gorgeous as I can, but I'm going to drive it every chance I get, and I'm going to drive it hard. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. been a progression for you, and it's been hard. But I've watched that happen. It's been tough, I, and yeah, I guess it started from just uh, the objects in my life I appreciate as the design object they are and then the functionality too mm -hmm. not just as the go beat on it because it's the thing and I want it to use it for the thing that it is fair hard yeah. to make sense but here's an example I love looking at beautiful furniture just mm -hmm. as much as I enjoy sitting on it sure 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 I mean, furniture can be art I've seen yeah. beautiful pieces of furniture yeah. that look just fine sitting there okay but yes the answer is they are not antithetical and here's the reason. Okay. It's when people walk up to you, or me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's no you in the scenario. It's you talking about Guess yourself. Yes, it's me. Keep going, yes. And they say, what year is this car again? Mm -hmm. How many miles are on this car again? Yeah. And they look inside. With the 928, I had a guy think it was restored. I said, no, I, it's been just well kept and mm -hmm. only had 54,000 miles on it when I bought it. And the seats were gorgeous. Everything looked great. Yeah. And, of course, I got a hold of the paint, made it look great. Yeah, you did. And so, you know, putting that extra bit of effort, and it's sort of, you know, I like that. You know, people noticing, you and they you do. do. for sure, yeah. But it's the, the dichotomy doesn't exist because when people say, wow, this is great condition, but there's a lot of miles, too, mm -hmm. which means you've driven it. Or, sure. yeah. you know, maybe for the use that you do, and whenever you go out, you drive it hard and fast and 
yeah, it looks great. I mean, there's I could point out to you the rock chip here and the yeah. thing there yeah, that yeah. I want fixed. And man, I wish the you know quarter yeah. panel weren't as scraped up as it was. Yeah. But you know what? I'm I'm also very much of the mindset that I'm I'm getting after it more and more, and I've mm. got to keep mm. it nice, but keep driving it really hard. Being at the ring has also switched things for me. Oh, that's a good thought. Yeah. Because we've seen 911 GT3 owners out there pretty much short of bashing their cars around. Just, yeah. I mean, you think, okay, yes, maybe they're on a different level as far as income and they've got the money yeah, to maybe, do it so they don't still, care. But yeah. I don't think that's the case. I think they do care. Yeah. And I'm I'm seeing black tire scuffs, road debris, the the paint chips are you know prevalent everywhere. It's an expensive car. Yeah. It would take a lot of either refurbishing or detailing or painting to get mm-hmm. it back to just saleable condition. Interesting. Well, and, and they're bashing on it around the track. Well, and, and you know it's interesting you bring that up because here in the U.S., you go to your local cars and coffee, and a guy pulls in at a pristine GT3 RS, pulls it in slowly, revs the engine, parks it, and stands around and watches people look at it. Mm-hmm. And over there. They're using them as tools to decimate tracks. Yeah. They're just, this is, and, and they bought it because they know it'll be brilliant on the track and they know it'll keep being brilliant even after you beat on it. Which is so amazing to me. And yeah. that's part of the reason I love the GT3s. And I know. Porsches I know. In general, because you can go beat on them. And yeah, Porsche, yeah, yeah. that's one of the reasons they're so expensive. Sure. Is because you can go beat on it for long periods of time and it's going to be consistent and it's just going to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I see that that's the biggest thing that's, that's brought about the switch in my mind. Going, I can see it. How can, can you beat it. up the – oh, well, because you're bashing around the track and you're having a glorious time. Yeah. You're using it as intended, and it's incredible okay. fun, and it keeps running. Yeah. I see that. I hadn't thought about that twist. But I totally see that now. Yeah, that's great. It's kind of weird. All right. Uh, what else on here did you find? Well, along those lines, uh, Jay Jacobs says, can I drive your car? My short answer to that is sure. Are you coming out? Uh, anyway, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see exactly. if that happens. Uh, there's many, many others. Uh, cars and Comments on Instagram asked a great question. We do have an answer for this. Any plans to put Chance's Mustang on camera? Yes. Welcome to part of season three. Agreed. That yeah. is on the schedule with some other ones. We're doing a uh, classic cars Restored and not restored episode. We're very excited about that. And uh, Chance's uh, Mustang is in that. And Ty, who might be listening, his Mustang's in that. We have another car in that. That's going to be a really cool discussion of various ways to have classic muscle cars. And we think that's going to play really well. Mm-hmm. There's a question here from Nico Meager. In honor of the photo that I posted of that 65 notchback, which was mm-hmm. great looking. Just yeah, it was. super clean and nice. He's asking, what is the best looking Volkswagen of all time? Hmm. I had to think about this for a while, but I came up with two, Nico, and that is the third generation VW Scirocco in Europe that we did not get in Great the States. Looking. Yeah, I see that. I see that for Really sure. dig that. Really By the way, looking. Mark Lichta, who is now the head of Audi design, did that car. Hmm. Or a late 60s squareback because it's sort of that – it's a two-door shooting brake, just kind of yeah, okay. a little bit Volvo-y, a little bit from yeah, that I see era. That. I see that. Just Interesting. kind of okay. cool. You see them lower. They just kind of have this – Certain attitude about them, I kind of dig that. Hmm. I, I like the I like the first gen GTIs, the Squarey GTIs. Excellent design. It's just yeah. a very cool looking car that has aged well. It has, but it's one of the. It's also it's one of those things where I feel like it's aged well, but it hasn't aged well in a timeless way. 
Some cars age well in a timeless way. And the first two I think of are the E-Type and the uh, Z32 uh, 300ZX. Sure. They look like simultaneously like they're from their period and also like somebody could have just drawn that last week. Whereas the first-gen GTI, you know it's an old car and it still looks really cool. Because of the iconic shape about yeah, it. And because it has of that 80s what it is. sharp yeah. angles. It feels very 80s, but it's just fun. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. All right, I'm looking for others here. Uh, DePiro03 on Instagram wrote in and, and asked an interesting question. I want to speak to a car we've driven in relation to this. He said his clutch went out on his 2010 STI. He's going to put in what he describes as a stage one clutch. I'm not sure what that means necessarily, but obviously a more aggressive clutch at a lightweight flywheel. What are our feelings on parts like that? Lightweight flywheel, if you're, if you're okay with it, if you're okay with having to rev the car more often, can be really cool because the engine is incredibly responsive to what you're doing. It doesn't have any rev hang at all. Mm-hmm. And that can be very cool. A more aggressive clutch, I kind of want to caution you there. Because, <laughs> do you um, do squats currently? Well, because what's your usage? I mean, if it's just you're wearing out your clutch, I get it. But you know, we, had, we, we drove a, an Evo a while back, and the owner was very proud of his like race-quality clutch. Yeah. Yeah, and we could just kept thinking this is entirely unnecessary for the road. I mean, it had a clearly a very aggressive catch, mm-hmm. and it was going to mm-hmm. be bulletproof, and you could have like towed things with the car and never worn out the clutch. I'm impressed, but it was hard to work with and unnecessary for the way he used the car. So I just want to caution you on the clutch. The, the lightweight flywheel can change the personality enough that it may be really cool. Sure. But a more aggressive clutch, do you need it? And maybe you do if you're blowing through them. Do you need it, or is that just going to make the car harder to drive and isn't necessary? That's a judgment call, though. Didn't you experience some uh, alternator, not failure, but alternator issues when you did the underdrive pulley on your 300ZX? It, it was just wasn't making enough power or wasn't Well, but that's, that's underdrive pulley. That's not, that's not lightweight flywheel. It's oh, underdrive okay, pulley. Yeah, so it's, it's underdriving the accessories. Totally, yeah, and it puts, okay. you, it puts you in it, its borderline depending on the car. And on my Z, I had a separate battery issue, and that did not help. That's true. But, I'm just trying to think but of once things, I got everything else residual sorted, residual effect yeah, kinds of once things. Once I got everything else sorted, it was just the underdrive was just making enough to charge the battery enough. I mean, it was like right at the borderline. Right. No. Yeah. The flywheel should be fine. It's just lighter, but you know, you're I mean, disassembling the engine to there, do it. There are plenty of cars in the Hondas. I mean, I've driven Hondas that are this way, where you you put in the clutch and the the flywheel is so heavy that there's rev hang all the time. Right. I mean, your clutch right. is in and you may as well still be on the gas. The Hondas are great hanging out, you know. So I can see that because it's going to make it a little more rev uh, friendly. It's going to be up and down a little better. I could see that. That could be really cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Josh B. is on Facebook asking about learning to drive a manual transmission. He says, if you're used to driving 400 plus horsepower automatics, should you drop the power to learn to drive stick? I think by the leading tone of your question here is that's kind of what you're thinking, and I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, it's it's easy. I mean, you got the torque converter and plenty of power and aim in a straight line. But when you're learning to drive a stick, <laughs> you're adding quite a bit of uh, new information, I'll say, into your driving experience. It's not just point yeah. and floor it and go. And all you're thinking about doing is driving and steering. Now you're thinking about the clutch and the engine and... Mm-hmm. you know, the engagement of the clutch. And then what happens if you're a newer driver and you accidentally over rev and then let the clutch out and, you know, all those kinds of things. I think you're probably on a good track if you drop the power, learn on a learn on anything mm-hmm. because you can add power. I mean, we can, we can sure. always add power yeah. back into the equation. But yeah. I, I think you're on the right track here. 
definitely learning something else, something low power to hit 86 or something well, like that. Well, I mean, and that's that's the other thing about it is that the, the big heavy-duty cars, they're going to be harder to, to kill because they have so much tor- much torque. Mm-hmm. They're going to be harder to kill, and that might seem a little easier. But also, if you don't release the clutch and all that, you could actually you know get yourself in some trouble. Yeah. Witness any Mustang leaving a car show. I had to go there. It's, it's really very possible, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. All right, we had else? a question. I'm actually trying to find it here, and I'm not going to go into a huge thing on this, but it has inspired me for something we should do on video. We had uh, one of you that kept asking a couple of questions about heel-toe. I want to touch on it really quickly. There was been a couple of podcasts back. You asked a couple of questions in a row about heel-toe. Uh, we probably, uh, we keep promising this, we're going to do a, a, a canyon driving video this summer, which we're excited about. Maybe we should do a little bit of heel-toe while we're at it. Hmm, but but sure. here here's the big question that you had. You were asking about foot placement. Uh, heel toe suggests heel toe downshifting. We're talking about here that when you're coming into a corner, you push the clutch in with your left foot. You go brake with your right foot. Heel toe suggests that uh, your heel is on the gas and your toes or ball of your foot, more specifically, are on the brake. It really depends on the size of your foot and the placement of the pedals. Mm-hmm. Very much I will so. give you two examples. In the Lotus, the pedals are tiny, but they're close together, and I have fairly big feet. I can use the ball of my foot on the brake and the other side of the ball of my foot where the pinky toe is for the gas, mm-hmm. and I never need to use my heel. However, drive a classic air-cooled 911. It's going to say floor hinge pedals. And you will be ball of your foot on the brake. While your foot is turned sideways at a 90-degree angle and your heel is desperately grasping to try to find the edge of the gas pedal because it's way over there. Pretty much. It's really hard. So as somebody that normally drives a car where my heel-toe is just two different sides of my foot, I get in a 911 and it takes me some time to get the heel-toe to ever work because the foot position is totally different. So it changes depending upon size of your foot and placement of the pedals. Obviously, it's described as heel-toe, but you may be using just two sides of your foot at once. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. There's a question, a design question on here for uh, from I Am Not Sean Clark. He's asking about buffeting in modern cars, you know, when you mm-hmm. roll a single yeah, yeah. window down and you have to... The massive Dumbo ears. Match yeah. it, yeah. You've got to roll an opposite window down or the open the sunroof or something like that to prevent the buffeting. He's asking if this is inevitable because of streamlined designs. And I'll, I'll say yes. I mean, I think back to... You know, Beatles and, you know, the mm-hmm. older cars that are yeah. pretty much boxy and upright. You just don't get much of that in the older cars, but mm-hmm. they're disrupting the airflow quite a bit more. Interesting a streamlined point. car, Interesting yeah, you, yeah, you've got air flowing a lot faster and cleaner. And then when you disrupt that, yes, it you can feel really affect it a lot. Yeah. Huh. You know, car manufacturers are doing a lot, as a matter of fact, with aero. The general shape of new cars is pretty streamlined. Just by drawing a clean, modern shape... Just by virtue of the sketch alone, yeah, it's going yeah. to be pretty modern looking or or pretty streamlined. But then little things that you know car manufacturers do to direct air here and there because not only with the smoke wand in the wind tunnel, mm-hmm. you can also use that actual CAD model. And now there's a lot of software that can do the digital calculation of the airflow. It's crazy. It, it actually shrink wraps it. So there's no – it calculates it by voxels as a matter of fact instead of all the polygons – and it shrink wraps it so it ignores the panel gaps. Mm. So it's saying, all right, well, that is the air is going to pass right over that anyway. Let's not chew the computer up trying to calculate the air mm, going through that. Okay. Shrink wrap that, and then by size of voxel over the top of the car, 
then you can understand where is the disruption going to be. I'm sorry. I'm glossing over over here. What's a voxel? <laughs> A Vauxhall? A Vauxhall. No, no, oh, no, no, geobs. No. Oh, got it. Vauxhalls. <laughs> yes, we'll leave it at that. And then, you know, by, by say, little rain gutters or little lips mm-hmm. and ears and things, even the buffeting around the external mirrors, there's a lot huge, more yeah. going on than just, hey, here's a cool-looking mirror. Mm-hmm. They're actually looking at what's the airflow disruption around the mirror and what's mm-hmm. that doing and and the trim. What's the trim going to do? That's the reason, say, in the front of the uh, the Corvette C7, they've got mm-hmm. that little lip behind the rear wheels and behind the front wheels as a matter of fact Mm. little tiny things you think oh that's trim no no that's specifically designed to move air in a certain direction in some way one of my favorite slash least favorite good example but terrible execution is the first generation nissan leaf that is catastrophically ugly because the terrible bug headlights are creating a pocket in the airflow to go around the mirrors to help with its aerodynamics and keep it give it a, give it a longer range. Nobody bothered to step back and go, "Wow, that's unattractive." But from an aero perspective, it's genius because they've got those really weird headlights to create pockets for the mirrors. A sort of a low pressure area, mm-hmm. essentially disrupting the laminar flow of the air over the top of the car, and and so the, so the mirrors yeah. are existing in a pocket of air, and they don't they don't disrupt and create that that big drag and, and wind buffeting thing. Right, and that was. After the shape of the car is conceived. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what we could do is just... Catastrophically ugly lights. Lights like this. And then that's a classic example of function before form. Mm-hmm. The designers wouldn't have it that way, I guarantee it. If they had their druthers, they would, they would fix it, make but it look better. But the nature yeah. of the car, well, mm-hmm. this is an electric car with a limited mm-hmm. range. We need to squeeze all the coefficient of drag we can out sure. of this car. Sure, yeah, yeah. So what can we do? Mm, that's good. It disrupts the design. I'm sure the designers were angry. Yeah. But we achieved a better result to okay. make the car more fuel right. efficient. Wow. All right. Uh, let's see. Mike Wolf asked on Facebook. He didn't remember if it has been asked before. I don't know if we've talked about it in a while. Do we prefer turbos or superchargers? Hey. And is it a depends on the car and the situation follow-up? In general, I'm going to say this. I prefer superchargers. Now, I know if you're just you? chasing power, I know that turbos are better. If you're just chasing power, you can get more power. You can have, you know, two-stage turbochargers. You can do all kinds of the fun things that everybody's doing. What I like about a supercharger is it has a tendency to keep the feel closer of a naturally aspirated engine in the way that it responds to the gas pedal. It feels much more similar to a naturally aspirated engine. And as a bonus, you get the fun wine. That's but true. But I think of That's three true. cars that I really genuinely like their power delivery, and they all have superchargers. The Cooper S I have is supercharged, not turbo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the factory supercharged version of the Lotus Elise. True, true. I think I, I, I love the car anyway, but that's a low uh, PSI supercharger, and all it does is kind of even out the power so that you don't, you just, it feels powerful all the time versus getting on second cam and suddenly surprising you. Love that. And the Hellcat. Okay, fair enough. And you know what? Now that we're Great thinking about it, by the now way. that we're thinking about it, the Z06 Corvette. Also supercharged, also also brilliant. Yeah. And the other thing that happens with a supercharger, I feel like this is the case of the supercharger anywhere in the rev range. If you're at 2,000 RPM and you floor it, you've awoken the monster. If you're at 6,000 RPM and you floor it, you've awoken the monster. But if you're either of those RPMs going just cruising along, it's just quiet and it feels like it's got enough power, but it's not amazing you. Hmm. Put your foot in it and it blows up. I'm going to say superchargers. 
That's funny. I guess my counterpoint is turbochargers because I like the feel. Those are excellent examples, by the way. I really like that. And they're consistent with your choices, too, which is nice. But I've discovered turbocharging these days has far left the whole turbo lag behind. There's a few examples. Totally. No, you're right. Just the plain WRX is like a light switch. Mm -hmm. The Mazda Speed 3 is all light switchy. And Mm -hmm. here it comes, here it comes. Bam! There it is. But I kind of like adjusting my driving, being prepared for that turbocharger and knowing mm. where it's going to kick in. And I, I can just quickly glance down and I here it comes. And then mm. I'm adjusting my driving style to, all right, here comes the power. And yeah. I, I enjoy that feeling. I can see that. I can see that. And yeah, you can just get such massive power out of the turbos. Yeah, and Totally. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to ignore the low displacement, tiny engines making all this power. Yeah, that's and where that turbos rule, of power. for sure. The Torque, of course. Mm-hmm. Boost is boost. We yeah. could argue that all yeah, day yeah. long. But I, I just, as a counterpoint, I like driving in that, adjusting my driving style in that way. I just like naturally aspirated engines so much. I just feel like that's the I best of do. both worlds. I think that's the next mod, honestly. The, the, the mod to shoot for for your Lotus is that? the supercharger on that. I mean, the one that'd be a large teardown. The one you can get aftermarket on, is but, essentially the same one they put on at the factory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that would, especially at altitude where we are, yeah. that would solve a whole lot and you'd cackle and giggle even more than you already do. Well, I was going to say, though, I, don't, I never drive that car and think this isn't powerful enough. <laughs> I, I really don't, but I take right. your point. Right. Okay, I'm looking for others here. Uh, oh, Alex S. is on Instagram asking, what manual car from the last 10 years, about 10 years or so, could benefit from an optional dual clutch or automatic I'm shooting for dual clutch, and he's, he suggests something like the GT350. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You open it up to different buyers, for sure. You do. I mean, the obvious one that comes to mind is the WRX STI. The Mitsubishi Evo 10 had yeah. a dual clutch. Yeah, for Why sure. Why not the STI? Yeah, I see that. I see that. I mean, a yeah. robust you know, dual clutch on that car could have been mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah. But a car we were just talking about, the 370Z. Mm. I'm just kind of wondering... As cool and fun and interesting and engaging as the rev match is on that car, yeah, 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 it could have been transformed into a genuine track monster with a, a dual clutch. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, clearly, Nissan's got the tech because of what's going on in the current GTR. What about yeah. retrofitting that? That's an interesting point. I mean, and then there's got the, that GTR is. And then proof. there's the counterpoint question, which is what are the ones with dual clutches or, or automatics that didn't offer a manual? And leading the charge there is the 4C. The Alpha 4C should come in a manual. It should, absolutely. I mean, that's most of our time we spend thinking about, you know, lamenting the death The other of, direction, yes. You but, know, manual transmission. And here's the thing. I actually, don't, I actually don't mind. I know based on the kind of cars I buy, this may seem oddball. I don't mind sports cars being offered in both because I think sure, that sure. increases the possibility of the cars to make money and make sense for the manufacturers. I have no issue with you offering every sports car on the planet an automatic. You want to do that? I say, you know what, let's bring the three, the three, uh, the GT350. Let's bring a Focus RS with, a, with an automatic. Let's mm-hmm. do the mm-hmm. S2000 with an automatic. I don't mind. I wouldn't buy it, but I don't mind it if it increases the, the, the take, if you will, of the number of people that will actually consider that car. I wonder what but, it would do to that. We've had the discussion about the Camaro, the brand new Camaro. Sure. The 10 speed shift, 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 shift car. <laughs> that one? Yes, that one. 
And the reasoning behind that is is to keep the power in the sweet spot to use to keep the power in 400 RPM. Pretty much to use all that, that 400 RPM the is the brilliant place. Well, but then we drive the six speed, that uh, same engine, the six speed and the Z06. There's torque everywhere. Yeah, Pick a gear fine. and that gear's fine. <laughs> that gear at 2000, that gear at 6000, you have brilliant blinding hurt yourself power. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's interesting. But, but I do wonder about all those cars like the 4C. Wouldn't it be interesting if if all of these sports cars all offered both? The 4C could be so much more engaging as a Agreed. manual. Agreed. I would like that car as a manual, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Not that I don't already, but you know, not on track at Spa personally. No, that 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 may be my favorite car ever for a 80% car. The car is brilliant at 80%. It's just fun at 70 80%. Sure. But it's just yeah. fun. It is. You find the edges of that car, and it is no fun anymore. Yeah. Somebody asked recently, would the steering feel and the and that car benefit from just better tires? Maybe, but not enough. Not enough. I mean, the, 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 that compared to the at-limits handling of a Lotus, they almost feel like they're different classes of cars, and yet they're so similar in stats. Strangely enough. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm wondering about a little bit more downforce in the front of that Alpha that would change things for, for that car. I'd be very curious to have somebody, look, this is never going to happen, but what if you had the Lotus chassis guys, Lotus chassis and handling guys, attack a 4C? I'd be curious to know... What would they do? What would be their, you know what this needs? That, that's something, because mm. I don't have that skill. I don't have any of that ability. But the Lotus guys are great at it. I'd be very curious to have guys that knew an Elise attack a 4C and go, it needs this, because I feel like that car is so close to greatness. Manual transmission and some handling tweaks, it could be there. I mean, the Lotus guys would approach it from a geometry standpoint. That's where they start with everything. Mm-hmm. And so they'd probably say, well, we're going to have to pretty much unbolt everything, tear it all out because we're going with different geometry versus band-aid it up to Who try knows? to I, make I'd be really better. curious to know what the quote-unquote fix is for that car. But I still say 70 80% incredibly fun. At the limit, no fun at all. <laughs> Not as much. All right. Uh, there was another question on here about price. Oh, yes. A. McFarlane asking about how we determine the price you offer the seller of the car you are buying. Do you go with a ridiculous lowball or something more reasonable? Well, yeah, you want to be fair to both parties. Obviously, Certainly, both yeah. people want to yeah, walk yeah. away feeling like they've got a deal. Of course, it amounts to research on your part, a lot of it. The guides are as just that. They're a guide. But mm-hmm. then when you start researching mm-hmm. what they are for sale with the amount of mileage and all that kind of stuff, you get a market of what the market will bear, what it'll hold mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And then it just comes to you know your feeling about the buyer. Do you get the idea that... They don't really want to let this thing go. They they're gonna they know mm. what they got and they're mm. just gonna hang on to it. Or do they kind of feel like, all right, I'm I'm willing to bargain here with you, and it can only be done by conversation. I love the mm. the haggle and the negotiation and yeah, that part of it. I know you do. And then you know you've got to come in with a, you know, hey, love the car, looks great. You know, you've got all these points, but you know, I did find some comparisons over here and. You know, I found this, this, and this, and, you know, I, I do like the color, whatever is attracting you to that car. Yeah. And then say, would you take such and such amount? Would you Would you entertain that? I have a, I have a weird thought okay. that, I, that I haven't actually talked about with you before, but I've wondered this since I bought the Lotus. Okay. When I bought the Lotus, you had the bill of sale between the, the prior owner and myself. And in the bill of sale, you fill out what did you pay for the car. Right. And I put in the amount that I was paying for the car. Uh-huh. And he stopped. He looked at me and he went, 
I really appreciate you doing the actual fee. In fact, the mini guy said the same thing to me because it's a very common, by the way, this is not an endorsement of this activity and you'll see why. There's a very common thing that happens, sometimes even more so among enthusiasts, where because that number relates to the taxes the state's going to charge you to register the vehicle, Correct. people will fudge that number. Right. I really paid you thirty grand, but let's say I paid you 22000 because that's going to save me money. But what I'm wondering is, are we as enthusiasts hurting ourselves if we do that? Because here's what I'm thinking. You get online, you look at Comparos for what cars should cost. Mm-hmm. Those numbers where you get the like the Edmonds number or whoever says this is what these cars what cost, they're tracking lots is. of variables. They're tracking all kinds of places you can get records on the sale. But one of the places they get records from, not the only, but one of the places they get records from is the car registration records. Yeah, DMV, right? If we're all dialing down what we're claiming the car is worth to the DMV, aren't we screwing ourselves for the ability to sell a car for what it's actually worth? Are we hurting ourselves doing that? I'm, it's I'm theorizing, right? I'm theorizing now. Are we driving car prices down unnecessarily because we don't want to pay the actual taxes and say we actually paid for a car? Just by virtue of what we want to get it for and... But I'm just saying, because yeah. we're trying to save ourselves a little bit on taxes, are we now claiming all these cars are worth less and therefore driving our value down? I, I am, I am far from a math genius, and I don't know all the ins and That's outs. That's a little of this, bit but conspiracy just, theory, right there. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll a wear a bit. foil hat for a few minutes. That's fine. I'll do that. That's okay. <laughs> but interesting thought, nonetheless. As I think you're right. It's one of the places. Oh, they, it's not the only place. They but, but aggregate data. But from. they're getting from registration records is one of the many places that you see this car changed hands for this price. Blah blah. Huh. Interesting. Any other questions before we wrap things up? Oh, there's always questions. Yeah, there uh, are. Daniel wrote a question in about a Cayman S. You know, you and I have talked about this. Chance and I have talked about this. His question is, what are your thoughts on a high-mileage Cayman S? My short answer is yes, they're good. Uh, but, but here's the, the larger question. He's saying, what about buying an older Cayman, even if it's got a lot of high miles, even if it's a base Cayman, it's not the S, isn't that more car for your money than a stock FRS? And my short answer Ooh. to you would be, Yes, it is. Yeah. Chances debated this with his BRZ. I thought about it a lot when I had my FRS and you bought your Cayman. It is more car for your money because it started with a lot more car for your money. But the the debate is this. It's how close that 86 chassis gets in driver enjoyment and feel to the Cayman while generally costing you certainly new tons less and having less expensive consumables. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I would recommend a high-mileage Cayman to you all day long. But you just be prepared for, like I am with my wife's Cayenne, when it needs service, that service is just more expensive. Yeah. Somebody else asked recently, in fact, I think it was on YouTube, and hopefully they're listening to the podcast, it was a younger guy, like college age, wanted okay. to buy a used Cayman, and his parents were essentially saying, if you buy that, it's going to bankrupt you. And I kept thinking, no. He was asking if that was right. I was like, no, it's not. Yeah, but when it no. needs stuff, you know that from your experience, I know from mine, right. it's going to be more expensive when it does need stuff, but they don't randomly break. But I will say this. While driving an FRS, if I tracked it and something happened, I was driving a fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 Toyota. Sure. I'll just buy a new one of that. Sure. You won't have that demeanor if you have that old Cayman. Okay, one last question for me from Joseph T. on Facebook. He might have a chance to get stationed in Germany in a few years. Do I take my C7 Corvette and enjoy the Autobahn or sell it before I go and buy a Porsche over there to eventually bring back to the U.S.? <laughs> Joseph, this is going to sound 
crazy and antithetical to what you think I was going to say. Okay. Take the vet. Take it on the Autobahn. You'll be a rock star in the vet. Yeah. And you'll have a very unique life experience. I do agree with that. I mean, you can always get the Porsche. You can buy one here. I say take it. Maybe you'll sell it there. Maybe you have to bring it back. Fine. But take the vet. Enjoy it on the Autobahn. You never see him on the Autobahn. Wait a minute. That's You've just struck on the answer. Hmm. Take the vet. Enjoy the Autobahn. Take it on the ring. Do all of those things. And then sell it there. Buy yourself the Porsche before you come back. Even better. Yeah. Because you know you could sell that car there. When we were there for our pilgrimage trip, yeah, you could. And we did our film. We did a big drive one day between the ring and down close to uh, Stuttgart uh-huh. to go to Gimbala. Uh-huh. And we were almost to Gimbala, and we went. Oh, there's a C7 coming up behind, and then it passes, and it was a Callaway C7. That's right. Which is like the extra unicorn car. Because how many Callaway Corvettes are there in the world, let alone Corvettes in Germany? This was a Callaway Corvette cruising down the Autobahn in Germany. And it was like we'd seen a UFO. It's so funny because here we're going, yeah, "Yeah, Corvette. Over there, yeah, you will be the the hero. Take it, drive it in all of the classic German places. Sell it to somebody over there who will be ecstatic to have it. Then buy your Porsche and come back. Brilliant. All right. Guys, thank you for your questions. They're a whole ton of fun. We really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets. Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No. I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Napa know-how. Right now, you can get a $20 prepaid Visa gift card by mail with the purchase of a Napa Legend Premium Battery. Its durability and power make it the obvious choice for people who hate getting stranded by a dead car battery. So pretty much everyone. The Napa Legend Premium Battery and $20 back. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Limit two per household while supplies last. Offer ends 22819. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.